0: our till system has to talk to our ordering system, has to talk to our labour system. And if they're not all talking and you've not got clean and accurate data, it's almost worse than nothing because you're making decisions based on data which is wrong.
1: I remember being in a meeting and someone walking in with a 30-page manual on something that was being implemented and Julian saying, yeah, you know, bring it back when it's half a page and then we'll roll it out. That's the kind of ruthless pursuit of
2: simplicity that you need. In New York, for instance, the average cost of delivery was 15% of your product because you're dropping off you know, $60 at croissants. And that's an incredible tax that eventually gets pushed all the way to the consumer. But because we're taking everyone's pastries, now that's costs a fraction less. Everyone ends up doing better without having to beat up any one part of the industry. That everyone can actually make more money if it just works together.
3: Hi, welcome to 5th Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of coffee business magazine, 5th Wave. Whether you're an independent cafe operator, CEO of an international chain, each episode brings business lessons, inspiring stories, and lots of thought leadership. Today, we're gonna to be looking at back of house technology for the hospitality sector, and what tech building blocks cafes will need to scale from one to two, two to four, and beyond. We're going to be hearing from Dane Atkinson, CEO of Ardeco, about how independent cafes can benefit from the same technology that big coffee chains use, but at a reasonable cost. We'll hear from Joe Cripps, Managing Director of Trail, and learn how removing cognitive load from your team simultaneously lowers costs, increases revenues, while boosting customer service. But first up, we hear from David Abramovich, CEO of Grind, who joins me here in Serendipity Studios. Grind is a London cafe chain that opened its doors in 2011 on Old Street, with an iconic sign reading sex, coffee and rock and roll. It has since become a lifestyle brand with over 300 staff across 11 stores, serving breakfasts through to late night cocktails. Grind also operates a roastery and e-commerce store, and it shouldn't come as any surprise to know that they have a recording studio also. Grind uses Revel for their till systems, Caternet for their food supplies, Salima for managing payroll, Trail for compliance, And they also built their own bespoke mobile and ordering payment apps. In this conversation, we're going to learn how David uses back-of-house technology to manage KPIs. He also offers tips for avoiding a cafe operator's worst nightmare. Imagine you've just shelled out thousands of dollars on a new IT system, only to discover that your staff are not using it. I'd really love just to give our global audience a little listen and understanding of, you know, your background as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, the coffee world was never something that i intended to enter some unfortunate circumstances led to me inheriting the family mobile phone business which was by that point a single store retail unit on old street roundabout for those who are not familiar with london that's kind of our version of silicon valley and you know i'd worked in there as a 12 year old and a 13 year old during the summer selling mobile phone cases to people as they came in. It'd been my dad's place. It it had a lot of sentimental value to me. So I knew that I wanted to keep the building in some way or another. I decided to turn it into a kind of a cool coffee shop. And we put a cinema sign on the front, which has become a little bit of a landmark, and put a neon sign up and found the best baristas and machines we could. And that was the beginnings.
3: Grind definitely looks like, you know, one of those businesses that's very well organized, you know, very well run. Thinking of that infrastructure that you've put into your business, you know,
0: what role has tech played? I was keen from the beginning to introduce as much tech as possible. We reinvested everything. So even in that first store, I kind of turned that into a bit of a blueprint where we strapped iPads to the coffee machines very early on to try and kind of make our own version of drive-through style technologies. You, You know, we started investing in a proper loyalty scheme that was bespoke for us because You know, hospitality is a fundamentally really complex business with a high number of staff compared to the levels of revenue and just many points of potential failure. If you look at the global success stories of the big chains and the McDonald's and the Starbucks, you know, they have these systems absolutely nailed down where there is no room for any kind of error or interpretation. You have to have that mentality if you want to scale beyond a couple of stores. Which are the kind of systems do you think are like absolutely indispensable? I think the ones that really kind of move the dial are the stuff around ordering, and you know, ultimately the things that define your coffee margin and your food margin and your beverage margin. Let's take the example of a smashed avocado. It's great. You look at it, and you go right. An avocado costs me one pound twenty, and a sourdough is this much per loaf. Therefore, it's this much per slice. This dish costs X. But in reality, what matters is what overall, how many avocados did I buy and how many portions of smashed avocado did I actually sell? What went in the floor, what was given away? So I think that whole piece is very important. And then, as I said, labor is just so important because, you know, it's very expensive. And if you've got 10 people in a store stood around while you're doing a few hundred pounds that hour in revenue, it doesn't make sense, right? You mentioned that ordering is one of the
3: absolute key technologies that you need to get right. Did you see a a reduction in your wastage or an improving of margins on food costs once you implemented a really good, robust system?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we saw food margin grow significantly, which was the key purpose, really, because it's really challenging to deliver food at scale successfully when you're using high quality ingredients from decent suppliers when we eventually got it right, and that required onboarding all of the suppliers onto our platform. So, you know, our guys go shopping in each store, the head chef, you know, effectively they go shopping on a platform and they say everything they need delivered the next day, and it fires that out automatically to all the suppliers. The suppliers receive that order through the same system, and then they fulfill it to your store the next morning, and then they bill you through the same system. So it gives you real control over that whole process, and having control over it, can be the difference between a profitable store and, and not a profitable store.
3: We're largely looking at back-of-house technology. What would you say are the keys to
0: you know, making technology a success across your business? Look, we've certainly had tech projects where we've signed off on something, and it's actually never launched because along the way, the companies failed to actually do what they were supposed to do in the time frame they were supposed to do it. So you're not just buying the product, you're buying the team who supply you the product because they're going to have to customize it for you or help you integrate it with other things. You know, our till system has to talk to our ordering system, has to talk to our labor system. And if they're not all talking and you've not got clean and accurate data, then it's almost worse than nothing because you're making decisions based on data, which is wrong. What are we going to expect from tech in hospitality moving forward? I think COVID has played a, a big part in accelerating tech. I mean... You know, personally, scanning a QR code to get the menu on my phone, I think that sucks. I don't think anyone's going to miss that once that's gone. But I think it has definitely accelerated at-table tech. We've had our staff using mobile tablets at the table for a while anyway, but we're accelerating that now just because of the efficiency of the whole thing. The debate about efficiency versus experience is one that has been going for ages. I think the most efficient possible thing is you walk in, you sit down, and... Your food and drinks are delivered instantly, almost without you having to tell anyone, right? But it's not much of an experience. But I think when you get the tech right, the tech is actually taking care of some of the heavy lifting because they don't have to scramble off to the fixed till terminal to plug the order through. They've already done it while you said it. And therefore, once the order is in, they can kind of hang out for a second and say, you know, how's your day? How's it going? Is there anything else that I can get you? How do you get your staff to embrace this tech? obviously without the people using it. We have a nice little anecdote about this, actually. When we first put in the till system that we use now, I think we had one store. So I literally built the menus in the back end myself, and I discovered that it had this kind of drive-through style technology in it where you could basically get an iPad, and instead of the coffee orders coming out of a ticket printer, where you you get a little piece of paper that says flat white on it, it could go to the screen. And I was like, this is interesting, let me try it. And I, I literally got an iPad and rigged it up in parallel to the printer. So the flat white for Jeffrey was going both to the screen and to the printer. And, you know, I was doing this behind the counter. The phone rang or something happened, and or I got bored and I walked away and I, and I walked out. And I just left the iPad there. And I came back. The printer was on the floor with like this giant trail of uh, paper that obviously no one had looked at and touched. And the iPad was like propped up on top of the coffee machine with like rubber bands holding it in place. I didn't even tell the team at the time about this iPad thing. They had just basically seen it on the side, figured out what was going on and thought, this is cool, and just moved over to it. Like, and I'd imagined I was going to have to have this big thing where I had to sit everyone down and say, guys, we're not going to use the printer anymore. We're going to use the iPad. And I think the answer is that when you get it right and when it's like nice and simple and it's well thought through... You don't have to try that hard to make people using it because it actually makes their life easier. And as soon as you're at the point where it's making their lives harder, you've kind of got it wrong. Well, that's
3: fantastic. Thanks so much to David Abramovich, CEO and founder of Grind. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's turn our attention now to Joe Cripps, Managing Director of Trail. Trail is a technology platform that turns complex admin into simple checklists for hospitality businesses of all sizes. This in turn helps staff spend more time doing what they love, offering great customer service. Joe spent his early career building back of house technology with fourth hospitality and later embedding IT systems within retail food chains such as Pret-a-Manger and Itsu. In this interview, Joe notes cafe operators should be thinking about using back of house technology to remove cognitive load from their teams. This will both reduce costs while also growing revenue. So welcome. I'm here with Joe Cripps, who's the founder of Trail App. Welcome, Joe.
1: Great to be here.
3: So I wonder if you give us a little bit of a mental whiz through the Trail App. If I was to log in now, what would I see? So all you see when you log in is exactly
1: what you need to do right now. We don't want to cloud your mind with, here's 100 things you need to do today. And once you've completed that, the screen's basically blank. You get like a, a thumbs up saying, well done, now go and serve some customers. Admin shouldn't be the thing that you're doing, right? When you're running a coffee shop, you want to serve great coffee. You want to invest in the customer experience. You don't want to be buried in admin.
3: Okay, so tell us about how it all began.
1: My kind of last gig, I suppose, was at Itsu. They had this thing on the wall when you walked in, which they called the GP cracker, which was basically every site in their estate and a series of kind of KPIs or metrics, sales, labor, cost of goods, all of that sort of thing. But then they also had sort of customer experience. And the thing that was really missing from there was this idea of, Sort of an operational score, like almost an efficiency score, and through the course of that gig, it it became pretty clear that like you can put EPOS in, and you can put stock, and you can put labour systems in, but in between all of those things, are lots of kind of little jobs and lots of ways of working that almost, I guess, just build up over time and aren't really optimized. And so we worked out that there was this gap for a way of head office communicating, sort of critical actions down to stores, and then being able to track whether those actions had happened in order that they could work out who were the kind of well-performing stores and who needed more help. So that's where
3: Trail came from. How can technology make businesses more financially viable?
1: When people first come at hospitality technology, they maybe think just about cost reduction, when I worked in a previous business, we used to say, right, we'll wipe you know 1% off your labour cost and 1% off your purchasing cost if you put these systems in. But for me, it's not just about cost reduction. It's also about how do you raise the top line. And there's a really interesting theory, which actually there's a guy called Michael Tingsaga, who runs Hospitality Mavericks, who, who taught me about this. But there's this thing called the service profit chain. And what this does is it basically says... If you focus on internal service quality and the most simple and best systems, you get better staff engagement. And that better staff engagement translates into better customer experience and that generates more revenue and profit. It's about cutting the PL, it's about putting people in the right place, and it's about not just bottom line, but also top line.
3: I wonder if you could talk a little bit about staff engagement and how does the right technology improve or increase staff engagement? When we
1: first built Trail, we spent a lot of time in sites asking people, firstly, what do you do? And then secondly, what do you enjoy doing? And for me, one of the things we have been able to deliver is removing this, as you would say, like cognitive load from people, all the mess of paperwork, folders, all that kind of stuff. That's all gone. So it's just basically easier to do your job. Once you do that, you get gratitude for your team, which builds engagement. And then the other part we've really focused on is habits. There's this great book called The Power of Habits by Charles Duick. And he's talking about how organizations build up almost nonsensical habits and ways of working over time if there's no kind of strong leadership.
3: Oh, we always do it that way. That's the way we've always done it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you
1: know, I've seen crazy stuff when – I've been doing sort of stock takes of people. I'm like, you know, how much salmon have you got? And they're like, oh, you know, I've got 200 kilos. And I'm like, well, there's only 10. And they're like, oh, I use this formula that, that Ben gave me back in the day, you know. And it's just totally wrong. <laughs> but that's what they've always done. <laughs> so I think, you know, firstly, it's about clearing out the noise for people. But secondly, give them really clear instructions and a clear sort of set of rails to run on for the day. Uh, And we really focused on that. And, you know, the technology we've put out in Trail allows people to focus on getting their jobs done, but know exactly what they need to do. I've seen health and safety consultancies come into businesses and say, right, you're going to need these 10 books. You're going to need to listen to us. You're going to need to go on all these training courses. But that's just detracting from those businesses, right? So, you know, when we come into the back office and when people make decisions about back office tech... They should be thinking about how is this removing cognitive load from my team so that they can get out and create a unique customer experience? Because I'm pretty sure that is where it all is. You know, it's the bit that cannot be replaced by robots or quicker coffee machines. It's the bit which is the true essence of hospitality, where, you know, the staff are unencumbered by all the things they have to do and just focused on their relationship with the customer.
3: From an entrepreneurial point of view, What have you sort of learned over the last nearly six years now that maybe you would have done differently?
1: You know, particularly when you're a tech business, there's a lot of R&D that needs to happen before you can launch to a customer. And so, you know, we took venture capital funding, and you can get very caught up in the hype of Silicon Valley and raising money and all that kind of stuff. So if I was talking to my younger self, I would say, don't get caught up in the hype and worrying about being a tech business, just build a sustainable business having a PL and becoming profitable and being masters of your own destiny are are really critical and kind of fundamental to your business. And I guess secondly, you get very caught up again in the machinations of sort of brand and, uh, and business structure. But really it comes down to the the three Ps, which are like people, people, people. And COVID has just proved that to me again, which is all that matters to my business are the people that work in my business, because without them there is no business.
3: What are the traits of the successful business that sells at that art of scaling?
1: I think it's about the true search for simplicity, like not accepting anything complex, even if someone tells you that's the way it should go. I remember being in a meeting and someone walking in with a 30-page manual on something that was being implemented and Julian saying, yeah, you know, bring it back when it's half a page and then we'll roll it out. And it's like 30 pages down to half a page. That's the kind of ruthless pursuit of simplicity that you need. What's so exciting at the moment for me is this idea of using business intelligence and artificial intelligence to examine data, customer feedback, customer behavior, and then using that to inform how your business model should change. And I think one of the reasons we built Trail was that you needed a way, once you gained that insight, how did you get it back into the organization quickly? you know, Pret had this Excel sheet, which every quarter had all the changes they were going to make to the business in every site. They call it the Cascade. And this Cascade was a beast. And that influenced how I thought about Trail because I was like, if I could turn that into something live that could happen within seconds, you know, when Weatherspoons, when we, when the COVID stuff started to really hit the press, Weatherspoons spoke to us and were like, we're going to need extra cleaning checklists. And, you know, within five minutes, 960 sites are doing them. And I think if you can get true insight on your business and implement those changes, change the plan, then that is you know true agility and that is the way that you scale a business.
3: Joe Cripps, co-founder of TrailUp. Thanks so much for the time you've given us today. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Next up, we're talking to Dane Atkinson of ADECO. Originally starting as a supply chain management solution, a year ago, ADECO raised $15 million of seed funding. They recently merged with Clusive, a mobile ordering platform, raising a further $12 million. Today, Odeco offers mobile ordering and supply chain management solutions that take what large operators already have and offers it to U.S.-based independent cafes. In this conversation, Dane shows how back-of-house technology is helping independent New York cafes to lower costs and reduce waste while bringing independent suppliers and cafes into a unified platform. We're here with Dane Atkinson, who's the CEO of Adeco. Pleasure to be here. Just for the sake of simplicity, just really explain, what was Clusive?
2: Even before the pandemic, Starbucks and Dunkin' and all of them have made very significant investments in a way for customers to buy through their cell phones, right, or buy on a web page. And the small operator yeah, really could get the budget to build their own tech stack, and in many cases, you know they were using parties that were really expensive you know that would charge you know 20 30% of the transaction which for an operator a coffee shop just never makes sense right so inclusive was born with the idea that everyone should have a simple platform that really highlights the specialty community that lets people find shops and then purchase you know through another method as well
3: Dan, could you tell me a little bit about how a deco works
2: so instead of trying to stock a store for the future weeks the way our model works is that we bring you exactly what you need for the next two days. And because we've taken out the inefficiency in the system, our products tend to end up being 30% cheaper than they are traditionally for an independent shop. So uh, the baker doesn't have to pay for their own trucks and their own drivers. And rather than having six trucks drive into your shop every day and often disrupting your business, they all come to our cross stocks and then we drop off in the middle of the night. So the, the idea is to use an incredible amount of technology to do a very old school thing Where you get just the right products on your shelves at a lot cheaper price than you did traditionally and then it's coupled with all the data stuff so you get analytics on you know what your utilization is what your attachment rate is you know what products are selling which vendors are very profitable for you and the opportunity to discover as well so you can see Other brands that are maybe local, other cheese makers or grab-and-goes or things that really help you um, diversify your shelf so that you have a chance to potentially make more money, especially in these days.
3: What do you think the benefits that technology can bring to small coffee shop operations?
2: We think the advantage that giant enterprises have is mostly in technology and the ability to build systems that allow them to operate much more efficiently. So the lack of technology is an incredible headwind to push into as a small business operator And if you can get technology that makes a difference, it can change the outcome of your company. It can take you from one store to 10 locations or, you know, three points in profit to 15 points in profit.
3: And we look at large scale businesses like Starbucks. Do you have any examples around how they're using technology to their advantage?
2: For sure. In the beginning, we snuck around those folks to try to understand what they're doing, and they have a lot of technology in place. The most sophisticated thing we do is we use uh, predictive artificial intelligence to try to understand what's going to happen inside a coffee shop in the future. And this is not unique to us. Dunkin' Donuts, for instance, has their own AI team, a demand generation group that supplies all the locations with forecasts of sales for the weeks ahead that allows those business operators to better procure inventory to better staff to significantly reduce waste.
3: Would you say that the main benefit of using technology to optimize the backend is all about cost savings?
2: In normal times, it wouldn't be, right? So what we'd found from our customers, the benefit of savings is really meaningful, but the fact that they don't have to train their staff to understand their six vendors and that they can get one consolidated report about how all their locations are faring and understand all that kind of data was really meaningful for them. But as we've all rolled into this new market and this new reality, it's not universal for sure, but certainly the industry is in distress. And the, what everyone's just trying to do is make sure they've got the balance sheet to get to the other side. So the, where the savings was definitely meaningful, and, and I think everyone was excited about it, that's become essential, right? Like you can't buy $1,000 of paper products you know, <laughs> and have it sit in your store for three weeks you try to roll through it, and you, you can't spend extra on your milk or anything else. You just can't, you, you need every dollar you can just save. Um, so it's become really important. The same thing for Order Ahead, right? You you can't give Grubhub or one of these companies 30% of your revenue. You just can't do it. There's just not the money to be had. You need to watch these details. So we're trying to make sure that we're, we're saving people in every corner we can, because we know that, you know, when the world comes back and it's going to come back with a vengeance towards coffee, we hope sometime early next year, that's when understanding your data and understanding how to really build into those next locations and, and maximize locations becomes really important again. But today, we know that the, the focus is just making sure you've got the money.
3: I'd love to get a view as to the impact on sustainability that technology can have on a cafe business.
2: So one of the first things we did when we started running around, you know, trucks for our shops is that, I think it was actually Joe Coffee that started this whole process with us is that they composted and they took their spent coffee grounds and they you know, had a company come in separately to take it. So we just offered that as a service to all of our coffee shops where we'd take their extra coffee grounds and we'd bring it up to, you know, composting plants up in Hudson. Uh, and then we found that you know, there is some extra pastry, even though the AI is much better. But we'd take those pastries and we'd donate them to the shelters and we'd create a tax deduction for that. Instead of having, you know, a separate truck drive into a Joe coffee shop every night and pull it back out. Our trucks just take it on the way back out. Um, so it's it's kind of that empty airplane scenario. So it becomes much more efficient environmentally as well for the shops.
3: Yeah, it, it, it looks to me like technology is a huge opportunity for coffee shops to increase their sustainability credentials.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, that, like what blew our mind was that coffee shops, they want to find local industry. They want to help other small businesses. They want to find the best croissant that there is in the land. the challenge was for the person making the scones is they had to figure out the logistics to get them to the coffee shops at night and they had to find out how to run their accounts payable and what we discovered is that actually once you have an infrastructure that everybody can lean against we're having new bakers that jump in and just just all have to do is get to our crosstalk and then you know hundreds of locations for instance in new york city are suddenly available to them to you know can now have that item as part of their thing and they they actually make more money because in New York, for instance, the average cost of delivery was 15% of your product because you're dropping off, you know, $60 a croissants. And that's an incredible tax that eventually gets pushed all the way to the consumer. But because we're taking everyone's pastries, you know, that's costs a fraction less. Everyone ends up doing better without having to beat up any one part of the industry that everyone can actually make more money if it just works together
3: if you could give us a little bit of a vision of what you think the future of technology is going to be in coffee shops.
2: Food is going to certainly come under distress as the world goes through its transition through climate change and everything else that there really isn't room for a huge amount of waste and there really isn't room for people not to play a part in this macro system and technology should be a big part of illuminating where opportunities are and making sure that people don't overorder and One of the things that broke our heart was just watching how the farms would never know what the coffee shop actually wanted to order. They would produce a certain amount of milk and the distributor would never know. You know, everyone in the system was just guessing. And you would see waste at every layer where they're just literally throwing food out. That doesn't have to happen. That just is better communication between the different parts so that people can make what's actually necessary.
3: Thank you, Dane, for all the time you've given us here today.
2: Thank you, Jeffrey, and it's a real pleasure to connect again.
3: And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. If you have any feedback, we'd love to hear your thoughts at worldcoffeeportal/slash fifth wave. This podcast was recorded in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, the World Coffee Portal team, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. The music you're hearing now is Fire by Ruby Confu, a London artist and the winner of the Coffee Music Project 2017. Have a great week and until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated.
4: And now she's lost in the system. Sins on Her soul is burned.